Well, happy Easter. My name is Bill Stafiri. I am the senior pastor here at Beach Point Church. We have, we've had a crazy weekend already. So last night we had about 400 people packed in here. Uh, you can imagine a little, little tight, but it was, it was awesome as you could kind of experience already. We had about 200 kids out on the, the patio uh, doing, I, I don't know how many thousands of Easter eggs that we gave out uh, in the Easter egg hunts uh, and Chick-fil-A and all that kind of stuff. It was, a, it was an awesome time. Uh, we have done uh, two services here. Our Huntington Beach campus just finished their first service and they're getting, re- uh, they're in their, no, they're getting ready to start their second service. So it is a full, full weekend at Beach Point. People were asking me last night, Bill, what do you do for Easter? I pass out. That's what I do. I go home in about in a couple hours and, and I'm, I forget it. Don't call. Don't ask. I'm gone. Give me 24 hours just to recuperate. So they hook the IV up and then I come back to life. But it, it's, a, it's an amazing weekend. Uh, it's already been, it's been a lot of fun. So I, one thing I've discovered uh, in life is this, is that we all make life decisions based on failed assumptions. Uh, this is church, so be honest. How many of you uh, worked from the assumption as a child you could cut your own hair? Do you guys remember that? Do your parents have pictures like this to use against you? Uh, my, my brother did it, and my oldest son, he's like Mr. Responsibility. He did that, did, did that and it was awesome. Like We have photos of it to use uh, someday in his wedding. Uh, uh, I feel for, I, I, think, I think it's most, I know a lot of you women are into, the, you're part of the Pinterest generation, and I feel for you because you are working with this assumption that you can recreate something you see on a computer screen with just, by just following a few simple steps, and perhaps your Easter pancakes turned out something like this, right? <laughs> I want to uh, let you know we have counseling here at Beach Point, and your kids may need it, so, uh, so I want to encourage you. My, my father-in-law is a creative, uh, confident individual, and uh, he was working with this, uh, he had this, this idea. My, my mother-in-law went away on his trip, and he wanted to bless her, so he decided he would create a laundry chute in their two-story house, and so he went downstairs into the garage. He got where the, the washer and dryer was. He looked up, and he began to cut a hole. He cut a hole in the ceiling, and then he cut a hole into the floor of the, of the first story. And he was working from the assumption that uh, the hole was, uh, that was upstairs was in a closet, that my mother-in-law would be able to open the doors of the closet, just drop her clothes through the hole, it would fall on the washer and dryer, and all of life would be better. Well, when he went upstairs into the bedroom, he discovered that the hole was right in the middle of the bedroom floor. And so... He, he solved it as any of us men would. He took a hamper and he cut the hole out of the bottom of it. He placed it on top of the hole in the middle of the room. And so when my mother-in-law came home from her trip, they were getting ready. So she was on a trip. They were going to go away for three days, have this like nice romantic uh, uh, time away. And uh, uh, she saw the hamper, goes to move it. And of course, there's a giant hole in her floor. And uh, I don't have to tell you how the rest of the story ends, do I? I mean, that, that vacation did not go well. He said they didn't talk for three days. So uh, I, all of us are working sometimes uh, in life with these failed assumptions uh, maybe for you, it, it's been your love life. It, it is, uh, you thought you found Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and uh, you entered in and it was nothing but bliss, 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 bliss until it wasn't. 
And then you moved on to the next Mr. and Mrs. Wright, and then the next and the next, and maybe you've been through two, three, four, five special relationships. Some of you are here today with uh, broken relationships, broken hearts, some of you even with broken marriages, uh, because you, you were working from a failed assumption about love. Uh, some of us are, are, are struggling today because of failed assumptions about power, about wealth, about career. Uh, we began to climb the ladder. We thought if we just could make more money, our life would be better. And you are in a higher position than ever before. You have more money in the bank than ever before. And yet something is still missing. You, are, you keep spending and keep traveling and keep trying to find something to fulfill that sense of emptiness inside. Certainly all of us have had failed uh, assumptions about God. So maybe it's just that he is so distant. Or that he really is just on call for me in those 911 moments. Or, or maybe it is that you know people who need God are the people who need kind of a crutch in life. And I don't really want to bother him. And I don't think he really wants to bother with me. All of us operate from some sense of failed assumptions. And you may find yourself right now in your 20s or your 30s or 40s or 50s or whatever it is. And you're thinking, I just... I had hoped it would be like this, or I, I thought it would be like this, or I wanted it to be like this, and it's not. And this morning, I want to walk you into the life of one of the friends of Jesus who experienced something very, very similar. You got a glimpse of it through the video that we looked at. I want to look at a guy in the Bible named Thomas. Uh, Thomas was wondering whether or not he had made some bad life investments, whether he had misplaced his hope when he decided to follow Jesus. Uh, to understand Thomas, you've got to understand a little bit about what it had been like to be a young man in his time and in his day. Thomas was a, a fisherman in Galilee as a young boy, as it, all the young boys, they would study the Torah. They would, there were rabbis, there were these teachers that would come through. They would look for that, you know, like that kid in, in high school, the most likely to succeed kid, that bright individual, that educated, like just gets it kind of kid. And they would find those young, young men and they would invite them. They would say, come, follow me, be my disciple. But Thomas was overlooked by the rabbis that had come through his village. He was not chosen. He was not educated. He was not special in any of those ways. Thomas had been overlooked, and so he took on the family business, the family trade. He was a fisherman. Until one day, when a, when a different rabbi came through. And, and this rabbi had a reputation. There was something different about him. People were talking about his teaching, that he was someone who taught with authority. He wasn't quoting the other rabbis. He was, he, was, he was talking as if his words came from God himself. And not only were his words from God, but it seemed as if God was working through him. There were signs. There were miracles. He was doing things that, that had a buzz about it. Everyone was talking. This, this teacher, he is from God. So imagine what it was like when this rabbi walked up to Thomas and said, Thomas, will you follow me? Well, Thomas left everything. He left his business, and for three years, he gave his life to this, this rabbi, this friend, Jesus. And he began to walk with him, and, and Thomas experienced things. Everything he had heard, it was nothing compared to what he experienced. He heard the teaching for himself. His, his mind was being shaped in, in all new ways about who God was and, and the relationship God wanted with his people. 
he saw things that just were almost too good to be true. He, he could sit, he could remember a time when they were on this hillside and Jesus had been teaching and, 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 and uh, it was time to send the people away. And Jesus said, no, you guys need to feed them. And when a boy's sack lunch turned into a meal for thousands and thousands, Thomas could think, how, how could this happen apart from God? He was in a boat one day. They thought they were going to sink. They thought they were going to drown. And he could stand and he silenced the wind and the waves. He saw Jesus one day walking on the water, call out his friend Peter. The things he saw... Uh, he, he realized he was a part of something special. He knew that being with Jesus, that Jesus was the one, that Jesus was the one who was going to change the entire world. And Thomas was going to be a part of it. Thomas was going to be right there on his side. He was going to help bring in this revolution. And despite every resistance they faced, Thomas's hope was so high. He had so much hope in Jesus. And so you can imagine how Thomas felt that night when the authorities showed up. And they arrested Jesus in front of him. And Thomas did like all the others did, as any of us probably would do when we feel threatened. He ran. And he hid. But Thomas watched what happened. He knew what happened in those those days, in that day. He knew about the trial, this unfair, unjust trial. He, he, he knew about the beating that Jesus endured. He knew about the scourging, the whipping, the, the, how they basically tortured Jesus, tore his back wide open. And then condemned him to die. Not just a death, but a gruesome, torturous death on a cross. That they would humiliate Jesus, they'd make an example of Jesus, and they'd stick him up to suffocate to death in front of everyone. And you can imagine what it would be like for Thomas to watch his friend die. Thomas did like any of us would have done. He packed up, he left. Some scholars believe that he went all the way back to Galilee where he was from. He went back to his home. He was crushed. Maybe you've been there before. Everything you thought, every assumption you had, every dream taken away. And that feeling of being devastated. But then the story started. The tomb was empty. And Jesus had been appearing to people. He appeared to Mary and to the women. He appeared to Peter He appeared to their two friends who were walking on that road that day. He appeared to all the other disciples. And Thomas is thinking to himself, how can this be? How in the world does someone who's been dead and and rotting in a tomb for three days, how how can this happen? You can imagine why he was skeptical. Is it possible that someone could come back from the dead. The religious leaders were, in fact, so concerned about this, this whole Jesus movement that they are the ones who ordered that the tomb be guarded. 
They, they asked the Romans, they, they said they, they placed a guard, a, a, a series of soldiers that would stand in front of the tomb to make sure that no one tampered with it. And just to be extra safe, they sealed the, the tomb. They sealed the rock in front of the tomb so that if anybody messed with the tomb, there would be evidence. They could prove that people came and stole the body. The, the, the authorities knew this. Without a resurrection, the hope of the Jesus movement was over. It was over. And so they set up their guard. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, or if you understand this, but we still believe the exact same thing today. Without a resurrection, the hope of the Jesus movement is over. In fact, what we're doing here is senseless. It's useless. And you think, well, even if it didn't happen, it's good that we're together. We're becoming a better version of ourselves. No, the Bible says you're fools for being here. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15. It says that if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. Bill, shut your face, okay? And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless. There is no sense in being here. Paul later would say this, you are still trapped in your sin. Let's just go eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die and there's nothing after that. If there is no resurrection of Jesus, there is no hope for us. So let's stop pretending that this matters. But if he was raised, If he is alive, then everything has changed. Our hope is alive and secure. It is the most important event in human history. Everything for us must change. If the resurrection is true. In fact, this is scripture's greatest claim. That God has raised his son from the dead. That Jesus, this was their first creed, the first thing that they, they all shared, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, just as the scriptures said. That he was buried, that he, rose from, he was raised from the dead, just as the scriptures said. This, this is our claim. This is our faith. This is what we hold to. And the biblical writers say this, the reason we tell you these stories, the reason we want you to know this is, is this. John 20, verse 30 says this, that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But listen, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The Bible is saying this. I, we tell you these, these stories. We want you to, to enter into the life of Jesus so that you would believe. Because when you believe, that's when you come alive. That's when you come alive. That's when you begin to live the life. That's when you have the potential to live the life that God has always dreamed you would live with him and for him. And so here's our big idea today. We're going to walk in the story of Thomas in these last minutes that we have together today. But it's a, it, it is it's captured from this passage that Jesus wants to help you believe and to give you life. He wants you to believe, to embrace this as true. And because this is true, that it would change everything about you. That you would begin to live, to truly live the life he has for you. 
And so we're going to join Thomas in his encounter of the risen Jesus. We're going to look at the story of the resurrection through Thomas's eyes. So let me invite you to turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 24. And let's read these few verses that help us see what it was that Thomas experienced. Because we're going to, we're going to watch Thomas struggle. We're going to watch Thomas doubt. But what I don't want you to miss is the love and the passion that Jesus has as he encounters Thomas, as he enters into that, that struggle that Thomas is having. John chapter 20, starting in verse 24, we read this. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands... And put my finger where the nails were. Put my hand into his side. I will not believe. Let's stop there for a second. Because there's, there's some important things I want you to see. That, that we see this. That, the, that when Jesus first came and appeared to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. And so you got to imagine what it was like for Thomas. Now as he's found himself once again in the room with these disciples. And there's a buzz about the room. There's a glow about these guys. They're, they're, they, are, they are talking. They are smiling. They're, 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 their feet are barely touching the ground. And there's an excitement there that Thomas can't share in. He couldn't believe it. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands. Unless I put my finger where the nails were. And put my hand onto his side. I will not believe. I have to believe this for myself. This is too good to be true. Because if this is true, it changes everything about my life. But if this is not true, I have no hope. I have to know for myself. Here's the first thing I want us to write down if you want to take notes. And I want you to capture this. That the road to belief, this road to life, often starts with doubt. It often starts with doubt. For many of us, this journey of belief and life started with doubt. You resonate with this. You know this. You had questions and, and you struggled with some things. Now, for some of you, maybe you were taught and, and maybe in church, we don't ask those questions. We don't, we don't ask those things. We don't talk about those things. Why not? What are we afraid of? Why did we stop being afraid to ask the hard questions some of the greatest people of faith began with honest questions with sincere doubt. And Thomas never would have been able to solve the, his dilemma, his struggle, if he would have just pretended in the room like everyone else. He had to be open about what he was struggling with. And notice for Thomas, his struggle, he has, his, his doubt has two sides to it. On the one hand, it's intellectual. He, he can't get his head around the idea that somebody who was dead is now alive. I've never seen it happen. How can it possibly work? He, he's, of course he's asking these questions. You should ask these questions. There, there was a pastor here a long time ago. He was, just, he was um, uh, an interim, kind of like a sub. Uh, and he, he drove a car that had a, a license plate frame on it and said this. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. And maybe that's how you were raised a little bit. I have a, a number of, of uh, advanced degrees in seminary, and I'll tell you this. I'll, there's a lot of times where I've sat in a seminary class, and 
people have said things about God, and I look at my seminary professor much like your dog looks at you when you're trying to have a conversation. I just tilt my head and go, huh? It's hard stuff sometimes. It's confusing. I'm like, how can that? That can't, what? Sometimes we have intellectual doubts. We have real, real questions. And Thomas couldn't figure this out. How could it be? But notice also that his, his struggle isn't just intellectual, it's emotional. He had lost hope. He had gone AWOL. He had been, he, he had been crushed. His friend, his, his, his dreams were gone. And Thomas had ran. His world had fallen apart. And he had he'd isolated himself from his community. He was trying to work through his problems all on his own. And he was wounded. Maybe some of you are struggling with emotional doubts. It's not so much a head thing as it's a heart thing. You just feel like, you know, I, I, I thought God would come through for me in this. Or I've been asking him and begging him and pleading with him and he just doesn't seem to listen. It, I, I don't feel like he hears me. I don't know if he really cares about me. Thomas was honest about his doubt and because he was honest, it gave Jesus a door to come and to care about him. Notice how Jesus responds in verse 26. It says this, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now, did you notice the first thing that Jesus did? A week later, Jesus let him wait. He gave him time. He let him struggle. He let him wrestle. He didn't just rush in and solve it. He let him doubt. For a whole week, even though Jesus could have appeared in that first time, as, as, as the words were coming out of Thomas's mouth, Jesus could have come right there and said, I heard your request, here you go. But instead he gives him a whole week, and Thomas is processing this, he's, he's, he's wrestling with this. But then in that time, when the time was right, notice what Jesus, Jesus doesn't belittle him. He doesn't scold him. In fact, the blessing uh, that Jesus gives is Jesus enters into the room, he greets him with peace, shalom. It is the, this desire. It's a blessing of God, the fullness of God's life upon the people that you're with. It's a good thing to say when you just kind of walk through a wall into a, a locked room of, of people. Say peace, be with you, because you're, for everyone else is going, ah! okay. But he looks, at, he looks at them and he's looking at Thomas. Thomas, God's peace be on you. And then notice what he begins to do. He begins to walk into this doubt that Thomas has. Reach out your hand. Touch my side. Stop doubting and believe. This is our second thing I want you to see is that the road to belief is often filled with discoveries. It's often filled with discoveries. Don't be surprised when God gives you space and time to wrestle with questions and with doubt and and with the things that, you, that are troubling you. And sometimes it might be a long season. But when Jesus 
enters into that, when the time is right, notice he will come in with care and with concern for you. Friend, the, the journey is filled with discoveries along the way. In fact, uh, one of the things that we begin to see that happens from this moment on with the disciples is they continue this road of discovery. For three years, it has been a road of discovery. Jesus has been reshaping, reframing their understanding of life. He has been shaping their worldview. They're, They're understanding life through the kingdom of God as he understands it. And so they're rethinking things and relearning things. This is why here at Beach Point we say this. Our mission is to develop you into an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to develop you. Why? Because you, me, we have not arrived. We are far from arriving. We know we have things to learn. We know there are discoveries that need to be made. And we embrace that. And we're excited by that. Even today, we know that God is going to reveal some things to us that we know are so good for our soul. And Jesus was going to, in this next season, he was going to do all kinds of new things, teach them all kinds of new things. In fact, Acts says it this way, that after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus over weeks with his disciples, began to give them reason to believe, evidence to believe. Carefully, they were able to look into the things that were happening and understand and have this. Friends, uh, there is reason for our faith. And Jesus spent the time with his disciples building reason for them to have faith. This Monday, this last Monday, my wife and I, we had a date night and, and we kind of spontaneously decided to go see a movie. And we, we saw a movie, and I'll recommend it to you, if it, I don't know if it's still out, but it was called The Case for Christ. And uh, it's about the true story of an award-winning Chicago Tribune uh, investigative reporter named Lee Strobel. And it was fascinating. I read the book before, but I'd never heard the story uh, of his family. I never understood the kind of the dynamics of what happened. And when Strobel's wife, through a kind of a, a really unique uh, uh, situation, I don't want to s- spoil it for you, came to faith in Christ, it, it really bothered him. For him, uh, we give ourselves to evidence, to things we can see and touch, things we can trust and believe are true. And so he set out as an investigative reporter to challenge Christianity. And he asked one of the, the other reporters who was a Christian, he knew he was a Christian, he says, if I were to investigate this, where would I start? And he says, here. He says, if you can disprove the resurrection, the whole house of cards falls. And so he begins to uh, talk with scholars and try to understand what had happened. Is there reason to believe? I won't spoil the movie for you. It's worth seeing. But I, 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 I think it was so interesting to think about this, that If you want evidence, if you need to solidify your faith, that there's a sense of reason, that that, that this is not something that is beyond what Jesus was willing to do for his disciples. But this is so important. And church, please hear this. This is so important for us on Easter Sunday. When Thomas believed, it changed everything about him. Notice his response. Thomas says this. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, 
Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Look at what Thomas says. Look, finish this line with me. He says, my Lord and my God. Now, you got to understand how, how dynamic these words are. To say these words in front of other witnesses, this is, this is grounds for blasphemy. They could, they, could, they could pull him out into the streets, pick up stones, and stone him to death. This is a, a very, very significant confession. He is saying, you are God, but you are my God. This moment changed everything for Thomas. And Thomas, Thomas became a man of mission. Among all the apostles, no one traveled further than Thomas. He traveled all the way to India. In fact, you can still go to India today and there, there are ways in which they acknowledge the, the work of Thomas there. And Thomas would tell the people of India that, that God loved them, that God had sent his son that his son had taken on their sin and he had died for their sin. But he's not dead. He's alive. He's risen. He's coming again. That you can believe in him and in him find life now and forever. And one day some unbelievers grabbed Thomas and they said, you can deny your faith and live. But if you embrace this faith in Jesus, we will kill you here on the spot. And Thomas looked into the heavens and he said, never will I deny the one who died for me. And they tied him to a tree and they drove a stake through his body and killed him. I know you know him as Doubting Thomas, but friends, he is anything but that. His passion, his life for Jesus took him to the the ends of the earth. Thomas should inspire us as Christians that the resurrection can't leave us the same. It's the kind of thing that should create the fire in our bones to be different, to live differently. We should not be afraid to go anywhere, to do anything, to love anyone. The resurrection should change us. We should be different as a result. The resurrection changes everything. We cannot be indifferent. Mark Batterson in his book All In writes this, when do we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places and to do easy things? That faithfulness is holding the fort. That playing it safe is safe. That there is any greater privilege than sacrifice. That radical is anything but normal. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical. It's normal. And it's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Friends, if you believe in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, your life should be anything but boring. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. Will you believe? Will you believe? Will you believe and find life in his name? The resurrection changed everything for the followers of Jesus, and it should change everything in us. 
if anything that the disciples discovered is that about their, their assumptions in Jesus, that their assumptions were flawed, it's just that their assumptions were too small. That they just didn't believe enough uh, bigger things about him. And what Thomas found was that in Jesus there is life. By believing in Jesus there is new life. His friend Peter would later write this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says belief leads to new birth. It leads to new life. And and I want you to see there's a connection there of hope and resurrection. The word hope in the New Testament is only used once before the resurrection. But after the resurrection, it's used 70 different times. The resurrection gives us hope. And and it's not that kind of like weak, kind of soft, like kind of rose-colored, you know, kind of hope. I I hope it works out. Like this is get up off the mat kind of stuff. The resurrection changes everything. Hope, faith, love, passion, fearlessness. It changes everything about us. Do you believe? I know some of you are wrestling with doubt this morning, and I hope you'll see in Thomas the grace that is there for you to wrestle with Jesus. And I want to encourage you. Jesus said this. He said, uh, he was teaching about the kingdom of God, and he said, look, you're going to have to become like a child if you're going to embrace the kingdom of God. And, and children, children are inquisitive, aren't they? They ask a lot of questions, especially when they're young. They ask a lot of questions. And they put everything in their mouth, and they're, they're trying to figure things out. There's no way you come to faith without asking questions, without being inquisitive, without trying to think this through. And Jesus knows that, and he's not afraid of that. I want to encourage you, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming here and thinking through this. This is too important. It's too big to not. Take that Bible home that's in front of you. Read. Go back and read the beginning of John, this whole story of Jesus, what he did, what he said. Because John says this all through the story. This was written so that you would believe, and by believing, you would have life. Great faith starts with honest doubts. It's followed by God revealing himself with all kinds of new discoveries. But then it is followed by a belief that cannot be shaken. And so let's pray that God would build that in us today. Let's pray together. And as you bow together, as we bow in prayer, I want to enter into a a prayer now that will continue as the band comes and leads us in song. And, and And the prayer is simply this, Lord, give me faith. Give me faith. And if you're new to this whole idea, maybe this morning you're like, like Thomas, you're ready to say, my Lord, my God, then tell him that. Some of us today just need to pray, God, give me faith. This has to change me more than it is changing me. And this morning, just pray a prayer of devotion and commitment. And I want to pray just a, a prayer for those of you who are struggling and doubting. And just so you know that this is a, this is a good place to be. Lord, for those who are wrestling with, with good questions, honest questions. 
May they just feel once again the comfort watching you with Thomas that you, you care about them. You want to answer their questions. You, you want to solve the issue of doubt that you made them to be in relationship with you. And so together we ask, Lord, give us faith. Faith to believe, faith to come alive, faith to live our lives as you would want us to. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.